And if you could open your Bibles up to 2 Peter chapter 3. For those who are guests, we're in the middle of a series entitled Together, where we're focusing and really galvanizing on all of us as a church family coming together for our common mission and purpose. And 2 Peter 3 is a powerful passage of Scripture. The title of the message this morning is Broad and Deep Together. Broad and Deep Together. So let's read God's Word together in Second Peter chapter 3. Read along in God's Word with me. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Almighty God, I pray that you would indeed 
cause us to be a church that in these last days stands firm, that we hold fast to your word, that we grow in the grace and knowledge of you, Lord. And Lord, that we are not carried away by the error of lawless people and lose our own stability. Protect us as a church from ever losing our stability. Help us to remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Almighty God, we thank you so much for sending your Son to die on the cross for us and rescuing us from the wrath that is described here in this passage. Lord, those who refuse to repent and believe in Jesus, your Son, will perish. And we pray for the lost all around our area right now that you would open up their hearts to repent and believe in Jesus Christ and that they would be saved. And we pray for all of your people in this area, Lord, that you would cause them to be discipled and strengthened and to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, protect us as a local church from ever being stagnant in relation to growth. I pray that we would be a church that would be ever growing in our breadth and in our depth for your glory. And I ask you to do all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before I get into the message, I just want to highlight a a resource that's back at our information table. So grateful for uh, Ben and uh, Crystal designing this 2016 Bible reading plan for our church. Please pick up a copy of this. If you don't have a Bible reading plan for this year, pick this up. It's so vital for us to to be deep in the Word together, brothers and sisters, and to really put ourselves before the Word of God and to cry out to God and be fed and to seek the Lord and to grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. And that is a tool and a resource that can help us. 2 Peter 3, the context here is the Apostle Peter writing to the church and the people of God all around Rome during this time. And the the context is one where the the great day of judgment is in view. You see this throughout 2 Peter 3 where Peter is very mindful that uh, that by the same word, verse 7, the heavens and earth that now exist, they're stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So he's got in mind the day of judgment. He's got in mind the very end of things. And and he's got in mind the people of God and eager to see as a faithful apostle and pastor, a, a burden to see the people of God remain strong and stable all the way to the end. We see in this context that The earth was already once destroyed by water and in the last days at the great day of judgment that fire is going to be what destroys everything that we see here. You can literally take a look all around at everything material on the face of this earth and just say it's all going to burn because it is going to burn. And it's an important but very edifying thought for us to remember lest we cling to our earthly possessions remembering that one day 
it's all going to burn can help us to have more of an eternal mindset and to to use the things of this world because we need to use them, but not to cling to them or become possessive or become hungry for the things of this world, but to set our minds on things above. That seems to be a real burden that Peter has in relation to the church as he writes this passage of scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we see here in this context also God and his patience with this world. We see a focus on the Lord's patience and that we should count the patience of the Lord as salvation and that we should remember that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So as scoffers are coming and say, you know, where is this return of Christ that's coming? Everything's going on just as it always has. There, there's no Jesus and there's no Jesus coming back. We know that the Lord is not slow as some count slowness, but he's patient. And the reason God is patient is because God has a heart. It says in verse nine, he is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The first point in the message I want to look at this this morning is growth in breadth, being broad as a church and broad as individual Christians in our mindset. And the second I want to look at is growth in depth. We're going to look firstly at growth in breadth or being broad as individual Christians and broad as a church family. We looked at this a little bit last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where we looked at we're called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're called to be ambassadors in this world. God making his appeal to the lost through us. And that there's a real call for us to, to not isolate and to withdraw from society and withdraw from culture, but to engage the culture with the truth and to have a heart to reach out. To the lost. I was so affected by this story of an open door from a woman in our church named Bonnie Brown, and she writes this story of God giving her an open door. A man I am acquainted with was with a group of his friends, and my husband and I were sitting nearby. I heard him say, Good God. And without thinking, I said, Yes, God is good. And Bill came right over and he said to me, I I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus or anything in the New Testament, only the Old Testament. I talked briefly to Bill about the fact that Jesus is God and it was only Jesus who could reconcile us to God. There's a great example of being a minister of reconciliation. It is only Jesus who could reconcile us to God. Now Bill has become a good friend. He knows I am a believer and we exchange in conversation about what we believe. And I can tell Bill respects me. I tell him I'm praying for him. And Bill's Greek Orthodox. And I, could you please pray that God would open his spiritual eyes to see the truth? And church, could we please pray for Bill that God would open his eyes to see the truth? Yes and amen. And Bonnie, thank you for your example of being an ambassador, being a minister of reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, I really admire and applaud the courage that engages with people and steps out and takes risks and opens our mouth to say, hey, yes, God is good. 
and to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work and take action in people's hearts around us. And I think it's vital as we're running our race to keep our eyes open to the lost all around us and not forget that there are individuals who, as the Word of God says here, they are perishing. They are on their way to an eternity in hell if they do not repent of their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. Repent or perish really is the call to respond to God that we are called to give to unbelievers. As we realize that the day of judgment is coming, though the world be blind to it and though the the world scoff at it, we see that the Word of God says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief, verse 10, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the, the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That description there speaks to the day of judgment that is coming. And there there really should be an urgency in the people of God to live lives that aren't just self-consumed, but we as the people of God are meant to look out at the harvest fields and see that the fields are white in the harvest and do everything we can to make the most of every opportunity the Lord gives to us and to walk through whatever open doors God gives to us to reach out. And if the door isn't open, then kick it in. To have an urgency and recognize, oh Lord, if they, how can they hear unless someone's preaching to them? How can they hear about Jesus if I won't open up to them? And the burden for us as ambassadors is to remember, brothers and sisters, that God has put you in the school He's put you into to reach the lost. He's put you on the team that He's put you on to reach the lost on that team. He's put you in this community to reach the lost in this community. He's put you in your job exactly where you are in order to reach the lost at your job. You are salt and light. You are, as Esther read this morning so well, the light of the world. Let us see that we do not hide our light under a bushel, but let the light shine for Jesus and trust Him as we are faithful ambassadors and as we allow God to make His appeal through us that the Lord is going to work, we must not shut our eyes off to the reality of the day of judgment coming like a thief. We must keep our eyes open to it lest we slip into indifference leading to inaction. You know, one of the things that when I think of our, our church family and our, our local church here, Christ Community, and we've talked about this in the past, but I pray to God that He would make us a lighthouse that shines out into the darkness and leads many, many sinners to safe harbor in Jesus Christ. God has done that through us by His power for His glory, but I pray that God would enable us to be that heading into the future. I was listening to this story, and I I, I pray it edifies you the way it edified me. There was a certain city, a harbor where ships from all over the world would come and dock. However, the harbor was in between a treacherous and rocky shore, And during stormy nights, ships would see the city lights off in the distance and head toward the lights, hoping to find refuge from the pounding surf. 
the ships would struggle against the storm as they made their way to the safety of the harbor. And as they drew near, seeing the dangerous rocks, the captain of the ship would try to turn and avoid striking the rocks, but it was too late. Many ships were destroyed and hundreds of sailors lost their lives because they did not know of the danger. You see, the people of the city did not feel that it was necessary to build a lighthouse. Besides, it would cost too much money to build a lighthouse, they reasoned. And so year after year and storm after storm, ships would be shipwrecked and many lives lost. There was a man in that city that saw the need and he felt grief and heartache because of the people of the city and they were content to let the ships be destroyed and were not willing to rescue the drowning sailors. And so he took it upon himself to do something about it. He tried to recruit volunteers to help him, but no one wanted to. He persisted looking for someone to help him, but they all just laughed at him and said that he was crazy to risk his life to to try to save strangers and people who were different. But he was determined to make a difference, and he sold everything that he had and bought a piece of land close to the shore and built his house there. And it was a lighthouse. So during stormy nights, the man would make sure that the light from the lighthouse was shining as bright as it could so the ships could be warned of the dangerous rocks. His lighthouse saved hundreds of lives and ships from being shipwrecked that year. But it wasn't enough because even with the lighthouse, some of the storms were so powerful that the ships struggling to come into the harbor were tossed about by the wind and the waves that they would get smashed against the rocks still. But being a compassionate man, he would run to the roaring sea at the risk of his own life to rescue as many sailors as he could. And then he would bring them into the warmth and safety of the lighthouse. And once there, he would heal their wounds and feed them until they were able to sail again. The man labored by himself for years, rescuing sailors and caring for their needs. Each person that he saved was so grateful to him that they couldn't thank him enough for rescuing them from certain death. But all the man could feel was sadness because many more sailors died in the sea than he could save. If only I had help, he would say. If only someone would see the need as I do and come and help. Lord, please send someone to help. I can't do it all by myself, he prayed. And then one day it happened. His prayers were answered. His generosity became well known in the land. People in the city began to volunteer to come and help the man keep vigil during stormy nights. Men began to take shifts, keeping watch and helping rescue sailors. And then women started cooking and preparing bandages for the wounded sailors. And the children did whatever they could to help lift the spirits of the sick. Ships still wreck along the treacherous shoreline. But now, because there are so many people there to help the man... Many more lives are saved than are lost. Together, everyone accomplished much. Together, they made a difference. Oh, brothers and sisters, as I think of that story, I think, God, by your grace, together, may we accomplish much. Together, Help us to make a difference in this area for the gospel so that as individuals are being shipwrecked and are drowning within earshot of us, that we wouldn't be like the original townspeople who said, I don't want to be inconvenienced by that. But we would be a church family that like the group of people toward the end of the story, We would do everything to see as many people as possible saved alive out of the sea and not perish.
brothers and sisters, we must never be an insulated church concerned only about me and my family and, and, and our world and isolate ourselves out from society. We must not take our eyes off of the harvest field and do everything we can to remember that the day of judgment is coming and sinners will indeed perish and suffer not only death, but the second death that the book of Revelation talks about when they reject Jesus Christ and do not repent of their sins. But let us emulate the example of God himself in this passage, who is patient toward the world. And is desirous that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth and that all might, as the word of God says here in this passage, reach repentance. Brothers and sisters, had God sent his son back to come sooner to return and bring the day of judgment forth. And if God was not indeed patient, as this text describes him as such, we would not be sitting here in this room saved. We've been saved alive out of the sea. And we are called to live broad lives that look out into the darkness and do all we can to help rescue others and to remember how will they hear unless someone's preaching to them? How can they ever see if we don't show them the way? We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him, John fourteen six says. By God's grace, may we together as a church family make a difference in the lives of those who are perishing, that they might be told about Christ and be rescued alive from the sea. May we be a church committed to the cause of evangelism, and may it not be that there are only a few But may we be a church family like that story with the lighthouse where it's the men, the women, the children all working hard to save and rescue out of the water and then to bind up the wounds of those who end up in the lighthouse as we warm them up even after they're saved alive. And we nourish them and feed them and bind up their wounds. May we be a church family that is broad For the glory of God. Growth in depth is the second point. Growth in depth. This description here, the patience of the Lord leading up to the day of judgment, is talking here about the importance of the family of God, recognizing that the day of judgment also is meant to cause us to walk in a certain way. We are meant to walk with a sobriety as Christians and as God's people. Verse 11 talks about, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Lives waiting for and actually hastening. What, what a wonderful thought. Hastening the coming of the day of God. We are called in light of the day of judgment ourselves to be a people who are holy unto the Lord. Godly. And a people waiting. Waiting for the Lord to return. Faithful servants who, as the servants in the parable who were faithful servants, they were waiting for the master of the house to return and were not 
giving themselves over to dissipation and drunkenness and, and were not ready for when the Lord came like a thief and brought the day of judgment like a thief. That will happen in the cases of some, but we are called. What sort of people, God is saying, are we, we ought to be, are those who live lives of holiness and godliness. Oh, brothers and sisters, and may we have a passion for personal holiness and a passion for personal godliness in our lives. May it not be that holiness is an afterthought and, and the thought of really striving to be holy and striving and training ourselves on the godliness that that is somehow a legalistic pursuit not worth pursuing. No, brothers and sisters, holiness matters to God. Our personal holiness, our personal godliness, our personal waiting for the day of the Lord and taking on that mindset speaks to not just a breadth, but brothers and sisters, it speaks also to a depth. And we must be both. We must not only just be broad as the people of God and broad as a church family, we must also be ever-growing in holiness, godliness, waiting and anticipating heaven, And as the passage goes on to say, in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish. There should be a heart in each one of us as God's people to be found by Jesus when He returns without spot, without blemish. This language here, speaking of that which is unclean in the Old Testament, but not to be with spot or with blemish, hearts divided, half in the world and half toward God, but to be wholeheartedly, like Joshua and Caleb in the Old Testament, devoted to the Lord. And and, and there's a description here that that heart brings about a state of being at peace. That we should be at peace with the Lord, walking in a real passion for holiness. And we should count the patience of our Lord as salvation and be encouraged by that truth. And and we see here that this description, just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. We see that there's a real threat. It's mentioned for the second time here in that very verse that there are individuals who are going to twist and misuse the scriptures. Second Peter 2 is talking in that context about false teachers infiltrating and seeking to mislead, even if possible, the elect. We must be men and women deep in the word of God and to be safeguarded from error. And that is vital for us. There are storms coming where it is going to be vital for us not to be shallow Christians, but Christians who are ever-growing in depth in the Word of God. And we see this here as Peter ends the letter with an exhortation, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, you know the storm's coming. You know those are coming who are going to scoff. You know those are coming who are going to twist the Word of God. 
knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. There is a carefulness that is required in the Christian life. We are to take care that we are not carried away, as many will be, with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Brothers and sisters, it's possible. It's possible to not take care, to be very flippant in these matters, and to not take seriously our personal relationship with God and think, me and God are good. I know He saved me many years ago, and I'm just going to go through the motions in my Christian life. And though we would never say those exact words as we're talking with people, that attitude and demeanor and that sort of spiritual passivity, if you will, can lead us to kind of just think, oh, I'm good. I'll never be swept away. I'll never be carried away. And brothers and sisters, that type of carelessness is exactly what this text is saying not to give yourself over to. We are to live lives in the fear of the Lord and with sobriety and taking care that we not be carried away with the error of lawless people and lose our own stability. And here's the remedy that the Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives to see to it that we are not carried away. What will safeguard us? Of course, it's the grace of God and the power of God. But he gives us this call in verse 18. Look at this. But grow. But grow. Grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there's something about this call that is so vital for us as a church family in this time. I think it's vital for us to take on a mindset of ever growing deeper in our relationship with Jesus. Ever growing and going further into our knowledge of the Lord our God. It's one thing, and it's vital for us to be part of, and even members of a local church, so that we can be fed the Word of God through the preaching of the Word of God. But brothers and sisters, that is one means of grace, and it's vital, but it is also very, very important for each one of us to have a passion to grow individually in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This description here, grow in the grace of And grow in the knowledge is what I want to talk about here for just a moment. Let's talk firstly about growth in grace. Growing in grace. One Christian writes, So then, if you are a Christian, you ought to be continually realizing, I love this quote, continually realizing a deeper and more blessed consciousness of Christ's love and favor as yours. You ought to be continually realizing a deeper and more blessed consciousness of Christ's love 
and His favor as yours. That is so good, isn't it? It's possible to slowly fade in that blessed consciousness of Christ's love and Christ's favor. And the description he gives actually in Second Peter earlier in the chapter, in Second Peter chapter 1, he actually says that it's very possible, as verse 9 says, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. We've been cleansed from our former sins. We are now in a perfect standing with God and in the favor of God, not because of what we have done or our works, but because of what Christ has done and His perfect finished work on the cross and His perfect righteousness that He earned during His sinless life has been credited to us through justification. It's been imputed to us as the theological word. We've been counted righteous in Christ. We've been reckoned righteous as a free gift. Not that we deserved it, but that free gift has been credited to our account. All by grace. Growth in grace means that we are ever walking in the blessed consciousness of that truth. So that we don't over time become so nearsighted and blind that we forget that we've been forgiven of past sins and cleansed from our former sins. It's possible to be walking around not aware of the blessed standing we have because of the grace of Christ. And brothers and sisters, may we be continually realizing a deeper and more blessed consciousness of Christ's love and favor as yours. As Christian goes on to say, you ought to be, if I might say so, nestling every day nearer and nearer to his heart. Isn't that great? Nestling every day nearer and nearer to his heart. And getting more and more sure, and more and more happily sure, of more and more of his mercy and love to you. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a happy, happy, glorious spiritual discipline, if you call it that. To grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. To to be more and more aware of that perfect standing that we have so that we remain strong and steadfast and are able to actually declare the gospel to other people. So often the gospel is so far away from all of our minds that we aren't quick and ready to give an answer for the hope that we have to the lost. Because so often we're walking around hardly with any hope. And yet we've got the winning lottery ticket in our pocket. We have been blessed beyond measure by the grace of God. And it's a calling here for us to to not be nearsighted, as Second Peter verse 1 says, to not be blind to the glorious state that God has brought us into by grace, having forgotten that we've been cleansed from our former sins. You know, it's possible to be to forget. To not walk in the blessed consciousness of Christ's love and His favor as ours. To start to slowly fade instead of nestling every day nearer and nearer to His heart. 
getting more and more sure of our salvation, more and more happily sure of his mercy and love to you. You know what I think one of our biggest threats is? To slowly fade. To slowly forget. It's not going to happen overnight. So much of Satan's spiritual attacks upon us. Yes, there's dramatic things. But it is to crowd out a sight of Christ and his amazing grace in our lives. So much so that we are not even aware of it, not even conscious of it. And even though that never threatens the security of our salvation because we are saved by grace to the uttermost, Christ's finished work on the cross saves us and not our growth. Our growth is vital to our spiritual fruitfulness in this world. Growing in grace, being aware of the grace of God over our life and that He loves us and He gave Himself for us and He's never going to let us go and He will never leave us or forsake us. That makes you strong. And when you're strong in the assurance of God's personal love for you, you are able to share it on a hair trigger with anybody you bump into and ask you for the hope that you have. Brothers and sisters, may we grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we grow ever deeper in that way. I'm going to touch here on the growth and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does it mean to grow, not just in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, but also in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Listen to this quote. I'm so affected by this. I'm just like, oh Lord, please protect us as a church family and help us to really excel in this. One Christian writes, we are to grow in the knowledge of Christ, which includes, but is more than the intellectual apprehension of the truths concerning him. Please listen carefully. He might turn, you you might turn the injunction into increase your acquaintance with the Savior. I love that phrase. Many Christians never get to be any more intimate with him than they were when they were first introduced to him. They are on a kind of bowing acquaintance with their master and have little more than that. We sometimes begin an acquaintance which we think promises to ripen into a friendship but then are disappointed Circumstances or some want of congeniality which is discovered prevent its growth. So with not a few professing Christians. They have got no nearer Jesus Christ than when they first knew Him. Their friendship has not grown. It has never reached the stage where all restraints are laid aside and there is a perfect confidence. Oh yes, growth And the knowledge of Jesus Christ brings confidence. So grow in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Get more and more intimate with Him. Nearer to Him. And franker and more cordial with Him. Day by day. Oh, brothers and sisters, I love that quote. And it is so vital for us to increase our acquaintance with the Savior. To be so hungry for the word of truth. That we can't wait to learn more about our awesome Savior, Jesus Christ, as we dive into the Scriptures day by day by day. 
Friends, we must not only pursue our Bibles and read our Bibles when we feel like reading our Bibles. It's important for us to have a passion to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ because it is a remedy. And in fact, in this passage, it talks about there will be those who will be carried away with the lawlessness of our culture. They will slowly fade and they will slowly become more and more worldly until they give themselves completely over to a spirit of lawlessness. Brothers and sisters, not in this house. Not in this house, by the grace of God, let us pray. May we have an urgency and an eternal mindset and may we have a passion for growth. Not just being broad, but growth in spiritual depth. Let us not be infants in Christ with the spiritual maturity of a new believer 10 years after being a Christian. That is a sad place to be and God has something better for you and me. It's to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ because it will be a safeguard from stagnancy. We want to be shining a bright light for His glory. Living lives of holiness and godliness. Living lives without spot or blemish and at peace. Living lives that are ever growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, as a pastor and just as a Christian, I see people growing I'm not just talking about our church here. I'm just talking about Christians. I see Christians growing and I see people slowly being carried away more and more into lawlessness. Brothers and sisters, we've got to fight that. We've got to fight it. We cannot just give ourselves over to spiritual sloth and apathy and just, ah, it's okay that I haven't read my Bible in three weeks and that's all right. And take sort of that type of attitude toward the Christian life. This call is an injunction from the Lord. Grow. CB, grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Lord, I am so embattled on so many fronts. Yes, press into me. Get on your knees. Seek me. And you will find me, Jeremiah 29 11 through 13 talks about. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all my heart, with all your heart. I love that verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We love that first half of that promise. But immediately on the heel of of that promise, it says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's something about God where he, he wants to be wanted. He wants to be sought after. He, he delights to give of himself, but he, he desires for us to seek after him. As, as in a dry and weary land where there's no water, that earnestly our souls would long after him. Let us pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to give us this spirit in our church that rather than just sort of being indifferent towards quiet times in prayer life and being okay with it, that this year would mark a year where we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that the, sh- the swords get sharper and are used for the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, let us carry this with an urgency. To not just grow in spiritual breadth and to be broad, but also to be deep. Because spiritual depth and spiritual breadth go together. 
we as a church family need to be both. Oh, brothers and sisters, Peter writes this letter to the church in Rome and the Christians all around there. And his focus is on the church doing this together. It's not just about an individual walk with Jesus that pursues the spiritual disciplines in isolation from fellowship with other Christians. We are never called to an isolated pursuit of Christ cut off from the church. We are called to help each other, picking each other up, and not just concerned about finishing my own race, but concerned with all of my heart to see you finish yours. We are called to be broad, ever reaching out to the lost, and we're called to be deep, always pouring out our lives and discipling the saved. Broad lives not given to isolation and lack of concern for the lost that they're perishing, but also deep lives growing upward and sending down roots and being protected from being carried away from the torrent of false doctrine and lawlessness and scoffing that is coming our way and it's coming our way in increasing measure. Depth will safeguard us from being swept away with this culture into moral relativism and doctrinal relativism that does not any longer stand on the absolute truth of the Word of God and stand firm and let nothing move you, but is tossed to and fro by the waves and the wind and just every wind of false doctrine and fadism and everything in the culture that blows in, we just go because we're not deeply rooted. And every one of us have to have a heart here to see that this is serious. You know, you've been hanging around the church for a number of years. Now we've got a lot of people growing and getting saved and it's all exciting. We are watching also before our very eyes, individuals who are slowly wandering away from the truth. And it's often as this Christian song by, I believe, Matthew West writes, it's a slow fade. It's a slow fade away. And brothers and sisters, the remedy that the Lord gives to us is CB, Christ Community Church, grow. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not in our secure position because of our growth, but by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's never forget that. We are accepted on the grounds of Christ's merits and Christ's works and not our own. But brothers and sisters, Saying that and standing upon that with all the joy in our hearts does not mean that growth is not absolutely vital in the Christian life. We will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do just that. Let us take seriously our personal devotional life to the Lord Jesus. If you've been finding that, man, CB, I have talked to you a number of years ago. I was so strong in the Word and I just don't know what's happening. I'm just... You know what's happening? Satan's attacking you. He's trying to get you out of the word. He's trying to get you out of prayer. It's a no-brainer. He does it with every Christian. He's trying to slowly get you isolated from your personal relationship with Jesus and then slowly get you isolated from your relationship with other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. 
tail as old as time. That's always what he does. So that he can isolate the sheep and the lion can then devour the sheep. Very simple process. And it's always the case. Peter gives us the remedy. Grow. And grow with an urgency. And all the more as you see the day of judgment coming. And it's not just about me finishing my race, C.B. Etter, and C.B. Etter using his gifts and being personally gratified in the use of his gifts and personally satisfied in the fact that I've crossed the finish line. Brothers and sisters, and this is, this is a pastoral burden for all of us. I want to count the success of my Christian life, not by me only finishing my race and crossing the finish line, by helping all of you cross it and finish it well as well. And I'm not saying that as a pastor. I am saying that just as a fellow brother in the Lord. And brothers and sisters, may we all take that same mentality. Let's be the church. Let's rally around one another. Let's help one another on our journey toward heaven. If we see somebody stumbling, let's do everything we can to help them back up so that they might finish their race, even if it means we need to slow down. Brothers and sisters, may we carry this with an urgency. May we be a true church family that bears with one another with weaknesses and impatiences and little petty things that come up that where Satan wants to rip us apart. No, we press through. We press through and we go deeper and we grow stronger and we grow more and more in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together. And we be a church family that is deep and also broad and ever more so as Satan's assaults increase and the day of judgment approaches. Because brothers and sisters, by the grace of God, may it be after the torrent sweeps through, by the mercy and grace of God, we are still standing, standing firm. All the way to the end. And we are not at the finish line yet. We've got a job to do together. And may we carry this with passion in our hearts. Let's look out for the lost. And do everything we can to see them saved. Let's look out for the saved. And do we all we can to help them run their race strong. All the way to the end. Josh, if you and the worship band can return. I would like to ask for no unnecessary movement. Because I want to read this story. In closing, that I think will really inspire us. This story comes out of CBS from Rio de Janeiro. The author writes, The United States will finish at the top of the heap in the overall medal table at these Olympics and way down the list in terms of international popularity. That may not bother you, and maybe it shouldn't. The single-minded, the single-mindedness and the single-minded pursuit of success is a very American trait, albeit not a unique one. One act, one gesture won't shift it. But there is an opportunity for the U.S. to sign off on its Olympic experience and leave a final image that is not bombastic, arrogant, parochial, or insulting. Make Abby D'Agostino the flag bearer for the closing ceremony. You probably hadn't heard of D'Agostino before these games, and it's possible you won't hear a ton about her after them. She didn't win a gold or even get near the podium. She ran just once in the heats of the 5,000 meters 
that was where she produced a moment of selflessness that makes her the perfect candidate to line up amongst the parade of global Olympians on Sunday evening as the world of sports bids farewell to the games. And stopping mid-race to help fallen rival Nikki Hamblin to her feet, D'Agostino unintentionally gave the event what should have been its most memorable moment. I agree with the writer of this article that Abby D'Agostino should carry the American flag this evening in the closing ceremonies. I hope they do it. There's been talk of it. Because strength, brothers and sisters, if you've seen, you haven't seen the video, go home, watch the video, and you'll probably cry like I did. Strength, Christ Community Church, is not seen only in winning a medal for ourselves, but in helping another runner finish their race, even when injury befalls them. That is a strength that doesn't often get highlighted in the church today. That is one of the most vital ministries of our church and our care groups, and that's what they are all about. It is not about me running my own race. It's about me helping you also run yours. It's not just about you running your own race. It's about you helping everybody in your life also to run theirs. That's the church. It's not just about me using my gifts or to display the showcase of my talents or gifts and abilities. It's about me laying my life down, taking off the cross and following Jesus, and sacrificing that you might use your gifts and that you might be used of the Lord. Where is the church that says in the face of this jaded world so marred by sin and unbelief, we will lay down our lives for you so that you might live. Where is the church family that will say, I will pour out my life to the very last drop in order to disciple and strengthen and help you on your journey toward heaven to make it there? Christ Community Church, we cannot sacrifice depth in order to just be a broad church. And we can't sacrifice breadth in order to just be deep, we must be both. We must never cease proclaiming Christ to the lost and never cease discipling and equipping the saved. And let us all have a vision. We need all of you for it. Every single one of you. Those of you who are newer or haven't plugged in yet to a church family, we want to urge you, plug in. We'd love to have you. We must go deep into fellowship with each other. And yet always be inviting outsiders into the fold and including them in. We must be a church that wins new converts and yet doesn't stay shallow, but goes deep into God and his word at all times, always. A lighthouse to the lost, a greenhouse for the saved. And the deeper we are, the brighter we will shine. And may we, by the grace of God, not even think twice when a brother or sister falls down in the midst of running their race to do whatever we can to stop even to our own injury, help them up, and help them to finish theirs. Oh, brothers and sisters, may we, 
by the grace of God, be a church like this for God's glory, that Christ, the greatest example of laying down his life, the greatest example of sacrificing everything, of spilling his very blood to redeem sinners who did not even care. May we look to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be ever growing in the grace and knowledge of Him and make it the great ambition of our life to look to Him and delight in Him and worship Him and serve Him and be devoted to Him all the days of our life and in ever-increasing measure to cross the finish line for His glory, faithful all the way to the end. And may we close in prayer that God would give us grace to do just that. Let's pray. Almighty God, we ask you to have mercy on us as a church family. Lord, we pray that you would make us of a spirit that carries an urgency for the gospel to go forth to the lost, and we would thus, every one of us, be burdened to see the lost saved and won to Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't be silent that you would fill us, Holy Spirit, with boldness, that we might be broad for your glory and not isolate ourselves, but, but to expand out our horizons to include other people in, neighbors and co-workers and individuals that we don't even know yet in the church, but we want to get to know them. God, help us to break out of our comfort zones and not be a people that just simply settle and never step towards situations that are awkward or uncomfortable or challenging. Help us, God, to be broad. And help us, Almighty God, to be deep, to be ever-growing in depth. Oh, Lord, to be in love with you and in love with our Bibles and just growing more and more with an excitement to get into your word, to hear your word preached, to be filled with your spirit and with power that we might not be carried away in these last days with the error of lawless men and women, but we might, Lord, stand firm as a lighthouse does stand firm in the midst of the sea, the tempestuous sea, help us, almighty God, to shine brightly, standing, immovable, fixed, that many might come to know you, Jesus, because we have done so. By your grace, we have done so. Help us, almighty God. Birth this forth by the power of your spirit. Help us. We cannot do this on our own. But almighty God, make this a reality. Thank you that it is the case, but make it more and more the case in the life of our church body, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to worship our awesome and resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. This week at the church house, maybe some of you experienced it as well. There was a, uh, what I call an Ohio-sized storm that came through. And we were in the sunroom watching it come in. And we actually at one point said, Are, should we go to the basement right now? Because wind and rain were going different directions. It, it was a nasty one. And we were just watching those trees. There's some really big trees on the property just sway. But they did not knock over. Why? Not because they were high this direction. It was the roots. The roots went deep. And I appreciate CB as he gives us the word, that that call. How are your roots this morning? 
that those trees on the property, the roots didn't go down fully in one day. It was growth day after day after day. And now those trees are strong and they're firm over many months and over many years. And that's the Christian life. It's just that day in, day out. Now, what I love is that as we are broad, we will go deep. As you enjoy fellowship, as you enjoy discipling one another, as iron sharpens iron, as we grow together, we grow deep together. And I had a real burden just for those people of, you've not grown and you know it. You you have been the same over many years. You're saved, you're forgiven, but you're not where you want to be. And we're going to pray for you, and that's where you want to go first. You want to go to the Lord. God, help me. Help me, Lord. Give me your grace. Give me your spirit. Help me to abide. Help me to nestle into your heart. But I also want you to know that's what we're to be about as a church to help one another. If you're a man, if you're a woman, just, I want to know God's word better. Reach out to us. Reach out to somebody in this church that you know. They, they know God's word better than me. And just ask, hey, could we spend time together? Could we read the word together? As pastors... We want to be like that for you. But as a church, there's only a few of pastors. There's a whole church that as we care for one another, as we encourage one another, as we sit down and look at the word together, we grow broad and we grow deep. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth of what we have sung about and we've heard about. We were lost and now we are found. We were dead and now we're alive in Christ. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for that amazing grace. We want to grow in the grace of Christ, Lord. Tomorrow, we want to be more amazed by your grace than we are today, Lord. To to live in light of the gospel, to live in light of The amazing fact that we were enemies and now we're your sons and daughters, Lord. Help us to grow in our passion. Help us to grow in our amazement of your grace that we might not ever forget what you've done for us. And Lord, help us to grow in knowing you. Help us to grow in the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of your word, Lord. That the roots would go down deep. Help us to love one another Help us, Lord, to be those people that slow down to help others speed up. Lord, if there are any here this morning who would just admit, I want to grow. I want to grow in knowing your word. I want to grow in being amazed by the gospel. I want to just grow in you, Lord. Lord, meet them. Give them your truth. Give them your word. Give them your spirit. Give them your grace, Lord. Oh, Lord, I can relate. Lord, if where, where I see grace, where I see fruit, where I see growth in my life, you get all the glory. You have met me. You have met us. So we pray for those other saints and we say, oh, if we can grow, you can grow. And Lord, help us to really iron sharpen iron. Lord, help us to really disciple one another. Help us, Lord, even if it's the humble act of going to someone and saying, hey, could we get time together? Could you, could you help me to grow in my knowledge of the word? Could you help me to grow in understanding how, what it means to apply this stuff to my life? And Lord, help us when people come to us that we be able to say, oh yes, what I have received from the Lord, I would gladly impart to you. We pray for this, Lord, the one who is our hope, the one who is our rock, the one who is our everything. We pray in his name, Jesus Christ. Amen.